guys, it's it's the repeater from the Tower of Technobabble, and we're getting ready to to do our next show. And I thought it might be cool for you to look behind the scenes and see how the magic happens. Uh, in fact, Conduit is getting Towerbot ready right now as we Got speak. It. Approaching Singularity. Got it. Avengers. Got it. Bacon. Need it. Batman. Got it. Bigfoot. Got it. Cartoons. Got it. Catwoman. Got it. Comics. Got it. Conspiracies. Need it. Doctor Who. Got it. Green Lantern. Got it. Hoaxes. Need it. Mars. Got it. Monkeys. Got it. Movie reviews. Got it. Myths. Got it. NASA. Need it. Oceanography. Got it. Politics. That. Religions. Need it. Science. Got it. Sci-fi. Do you mean Siffy? Space probes. Got it. Sports. Screw that. Star Wars. Got it. Star Wars prequels. Oh God, no. Superman. Got it. Transformers. Got it. Troll Hunter. Got it. Twilight. Of that UFOs got it, urban legends got it, weird tales got it, weirdos got it. Tune in at www.toweroftechnobattle.com and see what happens. Hi, this is Mark, and you're listening to episode 27 of Nerdology, uh, sponsored by CSO, the cult fanzine. And my very special guest today is Mr. Ben Schneider. Hey, Ben. Hello. In, um, you know, honor of uh, Milo Clancy, let me, let me just say howdy. Wow. Because that's that sounded what, authentic. That's what all of us here in America say, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. America. Apostrophe America. That's how we actually spell it here. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing that um, the reaction I had to watching Milo Clancy is kind of like how you guys had watching Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Nah, not quite there. No, like fingernails try. down a blackboard. <laughs> Hello, Mark. <laughs> Thank you for letting me come by. This is amazing. That's quite right. It's my pleasure. Now, Ben yes. is one of the um, presenters of the amazing Tower of Technobabble podcast. Oh, shucks. Would you like to give the guys out there a, a little taste of, of what they could expect if they download an episode if you download an episode you'll hear about an hour of of that crap uh it's <laughs> tower of technobabble is basically a make-believe radio show that um uh that i do with two friends paul and dave and we just get together for an hour every week and talk about whatever is on our mind and uh we have a robot who will answer your questions about uh, life and uh yeah it it basically keeps us off the uh, streets and out of that drug culture that is everybody is so worried about these these days. So uh, yeah, I think you're underselling it a bit there, Ben. It's really it's a great show. It's very funny. Thank you. <laughs> and you guys kind of cover quite a wide area uh, of subjects. Even go into a little bit of amateur dramatics as well. Uh, yeah, we've we've got the theater bug lately. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll we'll get a uh, fundamentalist Christian comic book and we'll reenact it to hilarious results. I like <laughs> it. Thing, so yeah, that's one of my favorite bits. I have to say. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, it's toweroftechnobabble.com if you're interested at all. Yes. Come and hear me ramble about Bigfoot and it's on iTunes as well. So search it out. It's yes. well worth a listen. Oh, thank you so much. That's quite all right. My pleasure. Now, the reason we've got you on the show today, we thought we would like to do a show all about Doctor Who recons or reconstructions. Yes. Mark, what are recons and why do they make people so sleepy? (laughs) (laughs) Now, recons, for the uninitiated out there, you kind of probably won't know what the hell this is all about. So we'll try and explain it. Yes. Back in the 60s and 70s, 
the BBC in their infinite wisdom decided that rather than keep all these classic episodes of Doctor Who in their archive, they thought they should reuse the very expensive videotapes that they're stored on again. So they systematically wiped all of the um, episodes, pretty much decimating most of um, Hartnell and Troughton's episodes um, in the process. So some of those have been recovered. Um, More famously, in the last few months, we've had a a couple of uh, Troughton episodes come back. Um, But the the only way we could enjoy those stories um, before they were recovered uh, was to hear them on audio. So way back in the 60s, hardcore fans, because they didn't have video recorders, they would get their audio recorders, their uh, reel-to-reel tape recorders, and plug them into their TVs and record the shows straight off the air. So that's the reason why we still have the audio of these shows now. Can I just say how unbelievable that is? I mean, think about that for a minute. I yeah. mean, <laughs> this. <laughs> I mean, the show had basically just uh, started, and people were already such fans that they were getting their entire families to be quiet. They would put their tape recorder <laughs> in front of their TV and record this every week. And um, I, I remember when I first heard that there were audio that that uh well i guess that you could actually listen to uh, the audio mm-hmm. from all of these missing episodes i re- i remember thinking to myself why the hell would they get rid of of all the visual pictures but keep <laughs> but keep the audio and when i found out that it was it was because of fans doing this mm. i got a little lump in my uh, throat you it's know because awesome. because awesome. there are uh, heroes in life yeah you know there are you know you've got your teachers, you've got your policemen, the loyalty of a fine uh, dog, but th- there's got to be something to be said about these wonderful people that pre- preserved this history for us. And um, by the way, um, I always hear about these people who uh, did it, but I never, mm. I, I don't know who they are. And uh, so I've got a list of names here. We've got guys mm-hmm. like uh, David uh, Holman, David Butler. Yeah. James Russell, Alan Wilson, Richard Landon, mm-hmm. and uh, Graham uh, Strong, who apparently yeah. was was smart enough to directly wire his tape recorder directly into the TV set, mm-hmm. so he didn't have to have his family being being quiet. But I, I mean, why is there no statue dedicated to these guys? Because <laughs> there should be. There should be. Because this is the only way that we have of hearing these mm. amazing stories that don't exist anymore. And, Maybe question mark. Mm. So, yeah, but thanks to them, every single episode exists in audio format. Now, obviously, they were made as a TV show, so that doesn't always translate as a, a particularly good listen. So, uh, back in the nineties, um, fans started to create reconstructions by using um, something called telesnaps, which yeah, um, the the guy that took the majority of those was a guy called John Cura. Can you explain what a telesnap is? Because I didn't know what that was yeah. when I first heard of it. So, way, back so way back in the 60s, because video recorders were not really readily available, um, you'd have actors and directors who would want some kind of visual record of the work that they'd done. So they would hire him to sit in front of a TV and capture photos of the action as it happens. So you've got most of the 60s shows are captured in this fashion by this guy taking photos and that's what helps to make these reconstructions directly off the tv and it's 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 funny because um 
there are some there are many episodes that don't even have the tele snaps because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of them came in the third season of uh, Doctor Who because yeah. I think the producer at the time saw it as this unnecessary ex- mm-hmm. expense. So yeah. Um, to make the slideshow – and basically that's kind of what they look like is a uh, – your yeah. simplest basic recon is you take the fan-made audio and mm-hmm. you basically do a slideshow of these tele-snaps. And uh, so um, did you mention the companies yet that were doing this? Um, Not yet. I mean the, okay. the, All right. the main one that most people tend to refer back to is a company called Loose Cannon. Loose Cannon, yes. Heroes. In and yes. of themselves also. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the point. laughs> now, my friend Peter Weber would absolutely kill me if I didn't mention him. Uh, he makes his own recons for his own personal viewing pleasure. Really? And uh, he spends hours getting the timing just right for when the, the, the slides change. Uh-huh. Um, so he decided he wanted to have every single episode of Doctor Who on his DVD shelf which meant making his own recons. (laughs) Now, you can imagine how excited he was when he found out that there might be one or two episodes coming back. Right, right. So, he's, you know, apart from wanting to throw himself under the nearest bus because he'd wasted all those hours on making recons, I'm sure he's probably very happy about the prospect of getting some more missing episodes back. Can can I ask you, you, do you know why he wanted to make his own as opposed to just getting something that came from one of these companies that made it like the loose cannon. I think he's quite a creative person and he okay. he and I think like a lot of Doctor Who fans I might be generalizing slightly he Go on, dude. He it. uh possibly he has a a very fixed idea of what he wants and would rather create his own thing. I think a lot of Doctor Who fans are quite creative people. So he wanted to make his own rather mm-hmm. than perhaps getting something from someone else. That's I can applaud that because it is exactly mm. that type of personality that <clears throat> made everyone in the uh, house shut up for 25 minutes every week so they could put their <laughs> tape recorder in front of it. That still how amazes that, me. How would that go down in your household, Ben, if you asked your, your family to shut up while you recorded something? Um, well, here's the funny thing, and I think this is why this kind of touched <laughs> me in a special way, is I actually used to do that when I was a kid oh, right. uh, because we didn't we didn't have a VCR <laughs> until I was uh, much, much older. Mm-hmm. And I used to – I would put my tape recorder in front of the TV and I would tape things like uh, whenever Star Wars would, would it be on or a Star mm-hmm. Trek here and, here and there. And, and so when I heard that kids were doing this in the early 60s, just like I was doing in uh, the mm-hmm. 80s, that – I just felt this weird kind of connection over uh, the years, and I was like, "Good on you, son. Good going." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> now at least you were lucky being in the states, being able to, you know, if you were a Doctor Who fan, you were never more than perhaps a day away from seeing another episode because they used to have all the classic shows on a loop, really, didn't they? Well, I didn't get them until later uh, because mm-hmm. the city that was closest to me, they, they didn't really buy the episodes. Our public station didn't really buy the episodes from Britain mm. until the – I think 1989 is when they first started doing them. So mm. whenever they did get them, then, yeah, every uh, Saturday they would show a complete Tom Baker story and, like, Robot would all be in one night and then the next night mm-hmm. would be Ark in um, uh, Space. And then for my town or for my city where they were doing this, they would just go through the Tom Baker years and then go back 
yeah. to Tom Baker. So for a, a long time, that's all that I ever saw. But uh, Oh, you poor thing. I mean, bear in mind, in the UK, <laughs> we were lucky if we got a repeat at all. Wow. So even though we kind of got the episodes first, if you missed it, then that was pretty much it. You weren't going to see it again until video recorders came along. So did you ever try to, to, to do audio recording? No, I must admit, I know, I used to, we used to have a reel-to-reel tape recorder that I used to play around with and kind uh-huh. of make little radio shows on and things like that, but I never thought to, to use it to record the TV. I, it, I don't know why it, it, uh, it occurred to me. Um, I think it's because I really like the uh, music in some of these movies. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted a, a way to hear it again. And then I began to realize that if I did dialogue too, it was, so I don't, I don't know, but it's it's because of guys who think that way, and 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 mm. then through their generosity, you know, the tapes were kind of passed over and to other to other fans who would who would make mm-hmm. copies, and that's why we got them now. And then that led to this team called Loose Cannon and other yeah. guys like your uh, friend Peter, who would take. Mm-hmm. Whatever kind of surviving image that they could find, like they had the the Atelisnas, but they would also use things like um, uh, production photos that the makeup mm-hmm. guys would take, or uh, press press shots, or uh, mm-hmm. or 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 they would use surviving clips. Yeah, which also but that's the thing. That's one of the things that strikes you about watching a reconstruction when you start watching them, you get used to seeing these still images. So you kind of it's. It's not the easiest watch to begin with, but if you're a, a fan of classic TV, it's something that you can kind of program your brain to accept. Because um, 60 TV does is slightly slower paced than the modern stuff anyway. <laughs> so you know, if you factor in the the element of not actually having any moving images as well, it's it can be a bit of an ask first time round for someone to really understand it and appreciate it. But it's... It's quite. What's the best way I can put it? You really you gotta a be real a fan thr- to watch this. Yeah, <laughs> but you get a real thrill as well if you're if you're watching a still image and suddenly it sparks into life, all bit for maybe a few seconds. Now, now that is something that fascinates me too, because apparently not only were people putting their their tape recorders in the front mm. of their TV, some people were actually had eight millimeter movie cameras. Yeah, and they would take film clips for. And they only lasted like a few seconds, mm-hmm. but you would suddenly get a few seconds of Patrick Troughton moving in Power of the yeah. uh, Daleks, and mm-hmm. and then it would just stop. And you're like, why? Why did it stop? <laughs> <laughs> just gives you that fleeting glimpse, doesn't it? Oh my gosh! So, but but I, I guess the point I was trying to make was um, no offense to your friend Peter because I've not seen mm-hmm. any of his recons. All mm-hmm. I've seen are the loose cannon stuff, but yeah. Especially in the in the stories where no telesnap survive, stories like mm-hmm. the uh, Myth Makers or the yeah. Space Pirates, they they go to these other, they go to some very clever ways of giving some sort of a visual image. Um, they, I think of, that's what sets them apart from the other recon guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a company called Joint Venture. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen a couple of those. Those were kind of more slide slideshow yeah. driven. Yeah, and loose cannon. They've really kind of embraced uh, CGI, and uh, might my... even make props and things. Wouldn't oh, they? Oh yeah, yeah. Like they will make a prop, and they'll f- specially film one of them like holding it and moving it around. Like there's there's mm-hmm. a scene in uh, Galaxy Four where they have 
they basically show somebody's arm in a black coat, and he's got a he, and he's got a fancy ring on that looks like the first doctor's ring, and he's using a, a screwdriver to mess up the air conditioning and uh, the mm-hmm. alien ship, which I think is the episode that was brought back. Actually, so they, yeah. they don't even need <laughs> need, need it anymore. But uh, uh, but so it, my favorite thing that they do is say you have a story like Mission to the Unknown. Mm-hmm. where there aren't really any photos left and there aren't yeah. any photos even of the actors who were in costume. So yeah. they will get the cast list and they will look at other TV shows that were made around the same time that these same mm-hmm. actors starred in and using Photoshop, they will cut off their heads in one <laughs> picture. They'll find a picture of someone wearing the appropriate spacesuit, and in Photoshop, they'll, put it Blend together it. and then they'll mm-hmm. make a background image of a jungle or a spaceship set and they'll cut out the head and the body p- put it on top it's kind of like making paper dolls do you guys mm-hmm. was that yeah. a thing for you okay uh-huh, yeah where, where you basically have these layers built up and so mm-hmm. there's these paper doll shots and a lot of times they're very obvious but Dagnabbit, they really, really try hard, and it looks great, and it gives you a real sense of what's going on, and uh, yeah, love it. <laughs> and, I mean, they'll do things like, um, I think I'm right in saying for the Myth Makers, they actually got the original plans for the Trojan horse yeah. and built a model of it. Uh, yeah. That's pretty um, cool. Th- I, d- I don't know if they built it or if someone else had built it, but somehow mm-hmm. they were able to film a model of the horse and so they could give it a little bit of uh, movement. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. When, whenever you're watching these recons, the slightest bit of movement, like a little hand wave or maybe a zoom a, a, uh, across a still photo, it gives it a mm-hmm. little bit of life. And after sitting there watching still photos – just getting that little bit of life makes it so much more in uh, gauging in a weird yeah. way, you know. Um, yeah, it's like it's like a little boost that kind of carries you on yeah. to watch the rest of it. But now I I think they really go above and beyond to create something that is interesting to watch. But we should I think more. Point la- out. Oh, I was, I was going to say we should point out they're not for everyone. Like if you have someone who's not into Doctor Who and make them watch it, they're gonna. Cry they would want to boredom. kill you. Yes. <laughs> You've really got to be a fan, I think. This is a specialized thing, man. But uh, I, I think if you're if you're relatively new to, to the old series and you've become interested in watching the older shows and you see some of the ones that still exist, if you can tolerate the, the pacing of those stories and you actually enjoy those, you might be interested in recons. Yeah. Um it's definitely worth a look if, if, you are if you've a, got interest in it. If you are a completionist, you'll want mm-hmm. this because, you know, we're Doctor Who fans. and uh, Doctor Who fans, completionists? No. We never. have very visible gaps on our bookshelves. I am looking mm-hmm. at my bookshelf now. There are gaps. There's cold air coming through those gaps. I need something to <laughs> fill it in with, man. So, uh, and Loose Cannon has really kind of helped keep the history going, you know. And um, by the way, we were talking about heroes. Mm-hmm. Got a list of the loose cannon guys here, so we need yes. we need to read the list of uh, heroes here. There's Dean Rose, mm-hmm. Russ Port, Derek uh, Hanley, Stuart yeah. Stuart Palmer, Steve mm-hmm. uh, Eng- England. <laughs> That's a great name. Chris Petz, Liz Skinner, and Rick Brindle, who was the guy who actually started loose. He was the founder, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. back in December of '97. Mm-hmm. And his very first re- recon was Macra Terror because 
I think Doctor uh, Who magazine had put out an article and they and they had. I think the, that was pretty much the only one he had the telesnaps for, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. So he was basically scanning in the telesnaps out of mm-hmm. the magazine, making a, a slideshow, and people liked it. And they were like, "Please, please, give us some more." And uh, he did. So uh, love it. Oh, you can see a, a real progression from the the very early ones to the later ones. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as technology advances, they're able to do more and more, even to the point of adding CGI, um, which works very well in the majority of cases that, that I've seen. Yeah, they look great. And uh, they use CGI a lot in a uh, uh, Dalek stories because Daleks, mm-hmm. they're not that – they're kind of uh, static, but they move back and forth. Yeah. So it's it's easier to, to animate, but it just it, – it just, that little bit of uh, movement makes so much difference mm-hmm. and sucks yeah. you in, man. Oh, I love it. Oh, and, and probably the biggest thing we should point out about loose cannon. You're probably sitting there thinking, hmm, I'm interested. How much would it cost for me to get – it costs you nothing. <laughs> it's made by fans for fans. It's absolutely yeah. free. But there is a catch. There is a catch. Yes, yeah. Tell them what it is, Mark. <laughs> well, um, obviously this this footage is – copyright the bbc and although they probably wouldn't be that impressed that people breaking their copyright i think they have a bit of understanding so yeah. they kind of i don't know if it's set in stone but they they agreed that loose cannon could um, provide copies of their recons as long as they weren't um taking money for them as long as they weren't making a profit right but the caveat is that they have to be recorded onto vhs tape <laughs> you cannot get these officially through any kind of digital means through loose mm-hmm. canon so they have a fan net network called dubbing sites and essentially mm-hmm. you get a blank videotape you mail it to this site you say which which one you want they will copy it onto the videotape and send it back to you which is really funny when you consider the age of instant download that we all yeah. live in, you know. <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I, do you think we should point out that some people put these up on YouTube? Uh, I mean, you can yeah, check them well, out, I think you know. In, in this day and age, it gets to the point where if you want to see something, it's going to be there on the net somewhere. Yeah. But uh, if you want to support the cause, you know, mm-hmm. dust dust out your VCR, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so well. Well, any, any anyway, um, Mark, I wanted to talk to you about the recons because uh, I mm-hmm. am a big fan of the other podcast that you're on, the Blue Box podcast. Oh, that thing, yeah, yes, the finest in Doctor Who podcast, and uh, oh, I love it. Hello, Jr. Hello, the hello, Simon. <laughs> I thought that you all lived in the exact same house and you would all be here, but I've been told well, that that is uh, not true. Back in the back in the very early days, we did used to convene to my living room and record, um, which other podcasters that I've spoken to since found that to be incredibly weird. <laughs> And I thought it was some charming. sort of crazy idea. It yeah. was charming because you were well, all there. We used to sit here and have a cup of tea and <laughs> some biscuits and chocolate and well, stuff. Well, you guys actually put out a, a couple of uh, little video clips of you guys re- recording. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. I was telling JR that I wish they would have taken the camera back to your bookshelves because I wanted to see what sort of toys and decorations <laughs> that you had on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a nerd palace here. There's lots of... <laughs> Well, Lots of Doctor Who related stuff. Really? 
Really? Well, so, yeah, I actually no, have a yeah. I actually have a little Dapple Ice Ice Warrior sitting here next to me. He's, wow, he's my podcast bestie, right, right there. That's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, the good old fashioned proper Ice Warrior who doesn't take off his suit, you know. So, <laughs> but anyway, the point I was making was I began to notice on the podcast that you were mm-hmm. mentioning. For about three weeks straight, you had mentioned that you had been watching the Daleks Master Plan re- Recon. Yeah. And it seems like— It probably takes about three weeks to watch, to be it, fair. It, it's, a, yeah. it's a long story. And, but the thing I thought was funny was nobody else on the show was sort of asking you about it. Like, oh, how mm-hmm. is that going? What do you think of that uh, story? Is it easy to watch? You know, it's like it's like you would you would say it. And it would be this passing <laughs> comment, and I was like, oh, oh, talk about Dalek Master, Master Plan. And they weren't. So I contacted you and <laughs> said, so you want to talk about look what re- recons? That, that might be fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge fan of them. I absolutely love them because 60s Doctor Who is my favorite era. And mm. I just adored the way the uh, – Stories went. I adore the acting. Uh, I love a spaceship on a uh, string. Love it. Give me that every time. <laughs> and I there's plenty of that. I, and you know, Troughton is probably my favorite Doctor Hartnell. I love him too. And there's mm. just something about those stories. There's there's they're so good. Uh, John the Nathan's Daleks Master Plan is is epic, isn't it? It it is in every sense of the word. It is truly an epic story because the ending does not let you down. The, no, that's true. The ending is unbelievable, and you compare it to other "quote unquote" Doctor Who epics like uh, "Trial of a uh, Time Lord." Mm-hmm. The, the ending is so, ugh. and then there's like "Key to Time" series. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like they put the key to time together, nothing happens; it just gets spread back out. But the the end of Dalek Master Plan it it is probably the, the most tense episode. Twelve is probably the most tense episode of Doctor Who that. Especially in the '60s, I, I speaking for the. I mean, arg- arguments can be made for Androzani later, but if uh, we're looking at the black and white era, episode twelve of Dalek Master Plan is on the edge of your seat, and that's just from the soundtrack. It's I, pretty bleak as well, isn't it? You know, unbelievable. So, so hey, so hey, uh, what should we do? Do you want to talk about like we were e- e- emailing and you mm-hmm. had. You had named four of them that uh, you hadn't seen, mm-hmm. and so yeah. we all watched them. Uh, how do you do? You want to go over in the mall, or do you just want to talk about how great Dalek Master Plan is for about three? Well, hours? I think we should start with that one because that's what kicked it off. Okay, okay. Oh man, uh, how did you, how did you first see it? Uh, well, I had the um, the audio CD version with nar- the narration. Oh yeah, we should explain that. Um, all these fan. Um, re- recordings from the uh, 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were being tossed around and copied. And um, at some point in the in the in the 90s, the BBC realized that hey, there's something here that we could probably make better. And we're, I, I don't mm-hmm. know the the background story, um, but they're amazing. They basically took all of the copies of these fans things and they found the best parts and they remastered them, put them together. Yeah, and uh, they're so good. Love them. So, so they've been around for a while, so you can listen to it in audio form with an actor describing what's happening on the screen. Yeah. But it's not quite the same as being able to sit and watch it. So, uh, so yeah, I thought, well, I'll, I'll hunt out the, the recon and see what it's like. 
and it's it's stunning. It's really well put together. Was this your first one that you had ever seen? Re- recon? I think was? I'd seen. I'm trying to remember if I'd seen one before that. I think I'd. Um, I don't think I'd sat through a whole one, but I had okay. just kind of investigated and and seen the odd clip here or there online. Uh, but this was this was the first one I really sat down and wanted to watch the whole way through. The, it's 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 funny. Um, Dalek Master Plan is one of those ones that we don't have the tele snaps for. So mm-hmm. Loose Cannon had to make the photos directly from um, scratch using that paper mm-hmm. doll method or yeah. CGI. And something that I have noticed: if uh, you compare one that doesn't have tele snaps to a recon that does have tele snaps mm-hmm. the one where they have to make the images has a, a little bit more energy to it it, it seems yeah. to to have more movement and i think it's because when you have the tele snaps you're sort of locked into certain scenes and certain images yeah and when you have to create the images you, you are can make it look how you think it should be yeah. rather than yeah and and you you can purposely create an image to show something pivotal that is uh happening Mm-hmm. Whereas with the telesnap, you it's just sort of like a random chance. Usually, a telesnap will take the picture a second before something really uh, great happens, or a second after, you know. <laughs> but with whenever they're making them from um, uh, scratch, they can actually show the the moment, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it ah, and and they can kind of make more of them, and it's almost faster pace. But at the same time, though. We should also point out that Dalek's master plan is actually really, really good, and that helps having a good story. With it is, I mean, Terry Nation has a bit of a reputation for repeating his stories quite a bit, Um, but this I think is still quite fresh. It's probably helped by I think it was it Dennis Spooner wrote some of the episodes as well. Yeah, uh, he wrote. I think they did half. Like Terry Nation did the first bits. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, actually I have it written down. He did episode one through seven, one, one through five and seven. And then Spooner did episode six and then eight through 12. So, uh, mm-hmm. and those early ones, the Terry Nation ones, they're really good. Yeah. They're really good. I think um, you're in for a treat. If you like the, the sort of 60s Dalek stories, they're still quite manipulative and scheming. So you've got that kind of interesting rather than just being <clears throat> quite boring soldiers oh yeah and you've got this really great character in mavic chen played by kevin stoney who just even in audio form just really captures your attention yeah you know when i first saw a photo of mavic chen it was in some mm-hmm. magazine in the uh, 90s it was sort of a look back at the early years type of it's an thing. unusual look i thought he was an alien i didn't know he was supposed to be human mm-hmm. and <laughs> so <clears throat> but um Man, I, how do you want to do this? You just want to go through episode by episode? <laughs> I can talk about this <laughs> yeah, literally we've, for we've hours. about 20 man. hours. That's fine. Oh, my it's God. No problem. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it starts out with Dalek Master. No, I'm sorry. It starts out with Mission to the to the Unknown. Yeah. Which is famous for not having the Doctor in it. Mm. And um, it concerns uh, two space pilots who are shot down, and they're trying to find the – they hear a rumor that the Daleks are, are there, and they're – trying to send back inform- information that the Daleks are there and they're making something called a master plan, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> but, again, the really interesting thing to watch it is to keep in mind that there are no images that sort of survive. So there mm-hmm. there are some press images of uh, the aliens, of uh, the alien delegates. Yeah. But stuff like uh, 
Mark Corey and uh, Gant, Garvey and Laurie, you know, they, they had to make those from uh, scratch. So they're taking the actors' heads from different TV shows and putting putting them in. And it, it just works really, really well, you know? The other thing that is marks out Dalek's master plan uh, in terms of Doctor Who history is it's the first time Nicholas Courtney makes an appearance. Yes, he shows up in the... F- Episode one of the proper story, uh, the nightmare mm-hmm. be- begins, and yeah. he's playing a character called Brett Varn. And I, I, okay, I have a big, huge question: Why is Sarah Keenan considered a companion, and Brett Varn is not? Yeah, I find that weird. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Sarah Keenan comes in murdering Brett yeah. Varn, and your own brother. Yeah, spoilers. It, but yet she gets, like, the accolades in the books as, like, the Doctor's companion, Sarah. And Brett is just completely forgotten about. Is, is, it, is it because Brett didn't technically do the, the old-fashioned rule of a companion where you travel in the TARDIS? And is that why they never... Well, there's, there's possibly that. And the fact that he doesn't look quite so foxy in that black outfit. Oh, Gene Marsh. Mm. Gene Marsh. Man. But... Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm I'm all I'm all over the place. I should have prepared better. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to mission to uh, the unknown, like if we're mm. looking strictly at the uh, visuals, there's yeah. a, there's a scene where the two guys, Mark Corey and you, you know and uh, Lowry, they're they're working on the uh, ship, and one asked to be handed a uh, give me a uh, wrench or pass me that wrench, mm-hmm. and th- what they show visually is a plumber's wrench, a very obvious. 20th century yeah. thing that you would use to fix a water pipe and mm-hmm. it, it kind of took me out of out of the moment because i was like you wouldn't use that to fix a high-tech rocket <laughs> but then i began to to think this was bbc in the 60s yeah exactly maybe that is what they used mm-hmm. maybe they they did use plumbing tools and then i was thinking well stupid me the daleks have a freaking plunger on them <laughs> so it makes sense to have a water pipe wrench in a story with uh, Daleks and uh, mm-hmm. so I I almost like to think that that was a <laughs> that that was something that they did on purpose the loose cannon people but uh, I don't know I may be giving up too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it it's one of those stories that um, there's there's no usually in some of the older classic stories you you perhaps get the odd duff actor or. Just a character that doesn't really work very well, but this one, I think, right across the board, everyone's really knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I think Peter Purvis is quite an underrated companion. You, you know, something. There's Stephen. Something also. Um, this one of the reasons this story feels so epic is it seems like every individual episode, except for the for the last two, has a ton of secondary characters that mm-hmm. are. Really, really good, and and they they really feel developed, and they mm-hmm. usually only last for like one episode, like in uh, that first. Well, yeah, I was going to say yeah. it feels like there's a lot more at stake because even companions can be killed off in this story. Yeah, uh, spoiler, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like even in that first episode, uh, the nightmare be- begins. You've got those mm-hmm. two people at the Earth Head uh, quarters. Uh, I think it's called what was it, Lysan and Rolled or something. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're basically at their office job, but they got the big the big TV on, and Mavic Chen mm-hmm. is making a speech, and they're sitting there arguing about sports and about which uh, space car is the is the fastest. It, it's mm-hmm. it's these little touches that make 
the universe feel a, a lot more populated, you know, like a lot more human. And people don't feel that – the secondary characters don't feel that cardboard cutout, especially no. in these uh, early ones. And I absolutely love that. And just these little character touches, you know. And, oh, I, I also wrote down that one of the best Billy flubs ever is in that first episode. Uh, Brett Viren, uh gets the key to the Atardis and forces his uh-huh. uh, his way in. And Hartnell's mad and he's pacing. And, and he sees that he has left the key in. And the doctor mm-hmm. says, brains or brawn, rather, versus the brains. I've got you, Pete, from the uh, start, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I sure he flubbed it, but it's absolutely charming. I love it. <laughs> that's that's one of the the nice kind of extra bonuses if you really get into Hartnell. Mm-hmm. Who um, it's possibly slightly harsh to to enjoy it in a way because the poor guy was ill. But um, there are some very entertaining slips of the tongue. Ah, uh, but it, it's. I think he takes. This um, aspect of his performance, though, that he knows that he has to deal with, and he makes it part of the uh, character, though. So I, I actually yeah. love it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think the you've got the with something. This is twelve episodes. Yeah. Or thirteen, if you want to include the um, the cutaway. Mission as well, to the unknown. the unknown. Yeah. 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 Um, but it doesn't really feel like it drags. No. Um, In my opinion, anyway, I don't know whether you've found that or not. No, I. It's it's and, and I think a lot of it is because there is this overarching theme where they have mm-hmm. to uh, get rid of this time dis uh, structure de- device. But each episode kind of has its own kind of mini thing that they have to get through every every week. And yeah. there's just this there's this air of tension that kind of hangs over the whole thing. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't think that it would be able to draw it out through twelve episodes just through the audio, but it somehow does. I mean, there are peaks and valleys obviously but mm-hmm. and, and and again i i just when, when whenever i think about the whole thing i'm amazed at the at the cast at the number of people in it and uh, you had just mentioned how steaman comes off really really well yeah. i like katarina a lot mm-hmm. i like her acting i can't remember the name of uh, the actress do you know who she is or oh no i can't remember her name off the top of my head what is called katarina you know but uh, yeah yeah and <laughs> and loose cannon Bless their hearts. They they used the two or three pictures of Katarina to as best as uh, they as as they could, you know, in the mm-hmm. little slides. But she really comes across as just a great soul, you know. She, I love the scenes with her and the uh, and the uh, doctor talking t- mm-hmm. together, and just the way he keeps telling her that he that he's not a, a god and. He completely trusts, trusts, trusts her, and this is only after one episode. And like that, that part where she is getting the tablets from Brett to help uh, yeah. Stephen, and she actually, and she's looking at them, and she's like, "Are these tablets?" I could honestly believe that she was someone from ancient times who would have no idea yeah. what uh, that is. And I, th- I feel a bit sorry for the actress because yeah. I think she does a pretty decent job, but I think she's saddled with this character that is so out of her time that obviously the the people in charge decided that this really wasn't going to work out so i think it was a bad dis- decision because you can actually mm. see her growing she accepts things like by mm. episode three she's helping the uh the uh doctor create that that 
the trap that yeah. uh, trap to uh, defend the uh, the uh, ship. It isn't mm-hmm. like, and I had always heard that 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 was one of the reasons why they they got rid of her. So I was kind of expecting her to be a little bit more whiny or un, mm-hmm. uh, annoying, but she's really good, and especially in the recovered episode uh, two. Do you remember the, mm-hmm. the part where they get Zephon and they take off his uh, his uh, cloak? Yeah, they tie him up, don't they? There's that really quick scene. You you see her retching and turning mm. away from the look of this alien, which she has never seen. Yeah, it, It's just a really good acting moment, I, I, mm-hmm. I think. Instead of having her just standing in the background quietly, not doing anything, you know, being very Tegan-esque, she's, she's actually, you know, <laughs> and... I mean, Jamie was from a different time period, and he got yeah. on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't mention Victoria. Oh, oh, Father, oh, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think yeah. another reason why this story works, and, and you touched on it earlier, is that the, the Daleks, they don't need Davros. They don't need mm-hmm. some Movellan supercomputer. They're, they're evil. They're cunning. They're manipulative. They're... They're just, I'm. Oh my gosh! They, they're actually... you've got the whole political intrigue as well going on because you've got Mavic Chen who's trying to sort of play both sides off against each other and and come out on top. Oh, it's because he, he he's he's the guardian of the solar system, whatever that and, is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he's he's supposed to be sort of protecting um, Earth and its surrounding planets, but he's secretly in with the the Daleks to to try and take over. <laughs> But at the same time, he's got his own plans to kind of take them out once the uh, the victory's been achieved. Oh, my gosh. It's... And then you've got this council of weird aliens who've all got their own sort of little agendas as well. You, you know, something about them, which you get from looking at the at the, at the existing episode two, is mm-hmm. the, the actors who are playing the aliens, they're making them move in weird ways like that. One there are go- some interesting choices going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and I was thinking... Good on them because hmm. that is a cheap, effective way to make them seem yeah. not human. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean they didn't have an awful lot of money to spend on the the costumes, oh. so they had to do something to make them appear a little bit more otherworldly. Oh my gosh! And and it's funny because they obviously, if you look at the production photos from Mission to uh, the Unknown, mm-hmm. and compare them to the visuals that we can see in uh, Episode Two of uh, Master Plan, they were yeah. they were changing the delegates' costumes. Um, yeah. because uh, the one character, Tran- Trancis, in Mission to uh, the Unknown, he's got these mm-hmm. little leech things hanging off of his yeah. face. And so, loose canon, they just assumed, well, that's that's how he that's how he looks. So, so through mm-hmm. every episode, they have the char- the actor with these little leech things hanging off of him. But yeah. but then you see episode two. And the production team obviously thought, ah, that leech thing isn't working. Let's just take them off. <laughs> so, <laughs> no one's going to remember from last week. Oh, they're never exactly. going to see it again. Yeah, they're only they're only taping this with with sound recorders. They're not going to know <laughs> that. But there's, there's a precedent for that later, isn't there? Because I don't know if you've seen the Ice Warriors. Yes, yes. You've you've got the the sort of the main costume that kind of changes throughout the story. Yeah, yeah. The uh, helmet is is different, mm-hmm. which I always found weird and yeah. funny, but. Uh, Oh, that that reminds me. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this there's this great scene where uh, Carl Carlton, the the second in command to uh, Chen, who's a great character in and of his own, they're mm-hmm. they're talking about how they're going to take over from the uh, Daleks, and 
Carlton says, well, surely Trances will be second in uh, command. And and Chen basically says, Trances, they don't even like like him. <laughs> and, and I was like, that's probably because he's got leeches all over his face. I yeah. don't like him. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to look through some notes. I, I swear, uh, pe- people listening at home, I was so excited to do this. I took copious amounts of notes, and I'm just going all <laughs> over the place. I'm covered in Post-it notes right now. <laughs> but um, oh, see, oh, uh, something else I, I liked. Um, hmm. The introduction. Okay, we mentioned that after after Katarina is dispatched of, they bring in the, the hmm. new girl Sarah Kingdom, who comes in yeah. murdering Brett Vaughn. I I love the way they introduce her. You've got Chin and Carlton talking uh, about her, but they never use personal pronouns like he or she. Mm-hmm. But the way they're discussing her, you're you're led to believe that sh- that she's going to be this big burly man, mm-hmm. and then the camera and and then she comes yeah. in and the sexy uh, saxophone music starts playing. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's very very reminiscent of Emma Peel from the Avengers. You know, I've never seen that. Oh my goodness, good stuff. If you like sixties TV, then you you got to check that out. Oh, definitely. are are they uh, existing episodes? They or, all exist. They all exist. They all exist. Oh my gosh, that's great. Okay, I'm definitely doing that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a similar type of character. You've got this kind of um, very attractive young woman in a very form fitting costume, who's uh, quite a proactive character because a lot of 60s female sort of ancillary characters tended to be screamers who fell over and twisted their ankles a lot and oh, really? just generally <laughs> were there to be captured by an alien and then rescued whereas she frankly kicks ass and never breaks an ankle ever when she is kicking said no. ass right never no no <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh oh okay uh, I'm kind of going forward here so we got to episode 5 and mm-hmm. You've got the invisible aliens, and it's a it's another great yeah. Terry Nation name, the Visians, because you can't see them. <laughs> yeah, he's got a habit of doing this, hasn't he? <laughs> Absolutely love it. But uh, okay, the next episode after that, episode six, is Coronas of the Sun. I don't know what that episode title is re- referring to. Do you, do you? Hmm. No, um, no. It. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, but I I gotta say this might be my favorite episode out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to remind you what happens, it's the one where they take over the Dalek ship, and mm-hmm. um, Stephen gets that force field put over him. And uh, yes, yeah, there's so much action in that in the beginning and in the end, and it's one of those it's one of those times where I was just begging. Philip Morris, please find this episode because <laughs> I just know this is going to look good. But to give Loose Cannon a ton of credit, they did such a good job because they're using the CGI Daleks moving. It's a really good yeah, uh, effect. Yeah, it here. does work really well. That uh, and um, the, gosh, okay, one of my <laughs> and there's this really great part. Like, okay, the Doctor, Sarah, and Stephen, mm-hmm. they. They put the mud in the Dalek's eye, eye stick. They get on board the uh, the uh, spaceship, and they're trying to uh, take off. So they're, mm-hmm. so they're like, turn on that switch, check, get the uh, fuel up, got it, you know. And it's taken a really long uh, time. And as they're doing this, the Daleks are outside, and they're furious. 
you, you know, <laughs> and and you can just and, and the funny thing is you can just hear them barking orders to uh, to uh, each each other, and they're all like, "Okay, everybody, line up, line up, Carl, straighten up your uh, gun stick." Can everybody <laughs> see the uh, the uh, target? Okay, now on the uh, count of three, we're all going to fire, right? <laughs> three, got it. Okay, does does everyone see it? Larry, get up there, and they're they're back there barking orders to each other, <laughs> like, and it takes forever, and then they finally get off and. I want to see this so bad. <laughs> well, you never know your luck. That it might be amongst some episodes that may have turned up or may not have. Oh, I know. And um, also, one reason I like this particular episode. Hello there, Tom. Is um, <laughs> it's probably got what I think is one of the best moments of the entire twelve episodes. Uh, there's this. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Chin and the Supreme Dark and the and the Supreme Dalek are having this argument because mm-hmm. Chen had was supposed to get the Tyranium back, but the doctor took it and then he got transported to Myra. And so he, he came back to tell the Adaleks that he did that on purpose be, because that, yeah, that's right. And, and the to trap them. and the Dalek Supreme is not buying it and he's furious. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, you make your incompetence sound like an achievement. And, <laughs> That is such a good piece of of dialogue. That's a perfect example of how Daleks in the uh, 60s had so much character. And you compare that to a Dalek in the 80s or the It's also a very good analysis of how a lot of politicians uh, do their job. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Dalek is picking up on this. I mean, these these Daleks are not like robot soldiers. You know, they're, they're absolutely cunning and manipulative i love it and and then <laughs> whenever the doctor steals that uh that uh dalek ship chin mm-hmm. turns on the supreme dalek and starts criticizing him back you know yeah he was like he was like oh so you had the gall to criticize me and the and the dalek is trying to talk and chin keeps cutting him off you know, he's like, it, it is, it is. So you, you're saying it is not an emergency, and you just <laughs> see him fuming. I love it. I think you, you gradually see Chen become more and more crazy as the thing goes on, don't you? Yeah. It, oh, and, and I, by the end, he's just like, I mean, he was a megalomaniac from the start, but he just he loses all touch of reality by the end of the the actual story. I, I guess the point we're, we're trying to make here also is, if these were the type of Daleks that were still being written this way in the 70s, they would not have gone back for Davros every single time. They didn't need Davros. No. Oh, geez. Philip Morris, find this, please. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Should we talk about Feast of uh, Stephen? Yeah, that's that's a weird one in itself, isn't it? Oh, but I love it. I can't help it. I love it. <laughs> it's just such an oddball, isn't it? Okay, for further. But I think it sets the tone for a lot of the, the Christmas specials that we get now. They're, they're something other, aren't they? You know what I mean? Though? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, the story is that the way the production schedule fell, Christmas happened to be on that uh, Saturday. So they were like, hey, let's just let's just have a goofy old fun ep- episode. And it's great. And, again, it's full of CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, they had to do a CGI to recreate the police uh, station and – a lot of the com- composite shots and the paper doll stuff, and uh, it's just really funny. And okay, Mark, I have to ask you this: You are an Englishman, yeah. What does the phrase "it's a fair cop" mean? It means that you realize you've done something wrong, and you're 
not going to try and bluff your way out of it. You're going to accept that you've been caught. Okay, that makes sense. I, uh, I just I have always heard that phrase, like uh, the old Monty uh, Python shows. They would say that constantly, and I've never mm-hmm. really been able to get the context clues to tell me what that <laughs> means. <laughs> and uh, but it's a real it's a real kind of slapstick comedy runaround, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my god! And there's a scene where okay, the doctor has been brought in to the head policeman's office to explain what's going on and i'm thinking he's really come a long way in uh, two years because he's there telling this guy that he has a time machine he's like that police box is a machine for investigating time and time and space and just two years ago he freaked out because ian and barbara had broke into it (laughs) and he and he kidnapped them and in that time he has mellowed out so much (laughs) i think he had to really didn't he otherwise um I don't know. I can't see how the show would have gone on, really, because oh, it did. I, I think yeah. it's he couldn't have had that character be that abrasive for <laughs> that long. I think he just would have switched off after a while. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful stuff. And then they go to Hollywood. Yeah, they go to they run into Bing Crosby as well. They go to America. Yeah, Bing Crosby and Charlie Chaplin and all that. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> I see. And and this is this is one where. Um, there's so much running around and back and forth mm-hmm. that the that the still photos really. I mean, you can definitely tell that you're not getting the whole the mm-hmm. whole package here. And this is well, when, if you try listening to it on audio, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. It's just. <laughs> but I, I there's there's a there's a there's a moment where the doctor is mistaken to be an expert in persian myths or something because they're filming a arab love love scene and he's telling the actress that she needs to put some more uh uh clothes on because she's <laughs> sitting there halfway naked and i was thinking what if what if instead of landing in in 1920s hollywood they had landed in the 20 the like now hollywood like say mm-hmm. say he had landed on the set of transformers 3 what oh, would he have said goodness. to that Put some clothes on. Megan Fox, put some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Write a script that makes sense. <laughs> Don't make a movie that's just effectively just two robots smashing the hell out of each other for an hour. Yeah, he's like, done that already. <laughs> <laughs> it was called The uh, Chase, and it was amazing. So, Ah, oh, The Chase. Oh. It, but then they go to episode eight, Volcano, where we got The Monk. Yeah. Oh. Who is this you actor? Love Peter who, okay, is he someone who was well known and and well loved? I only yeah. know him from The Monk. Okay. Well, Peter Butterworth was the guy that played The Monk. Um in the UK there were a series of comedy films uh called The Carry On Films. What what is and that? They they were kind of like bawdy comedies, so <laughs> you wouldn't see anything too over the top, but <laughs> You know, you'd you'd have young ladies with ample bosoms and and things like that, and it would be sort of like um, it kind of gets described as seaside postcard humour. Mm. So you get these sort of naughty. Oh, is it uh, is it like a Benny Hill type of thing? Maybe um, similar. Okay, similar. Because I, um, I I have seen that in where they're mm-hmm. running around with the buxom babes. Okay, so and, so uh, he was that in guy. the very first. In the very first Carry On film, um, the lead actor was one William Hartnell. Really? Mm. <laughs> and it's was called he, Carry On Sergeant. Was he telling them all to get some more uh, clothes on, or was he? Well, it, it was called Carry On Sergeant, and he was up until that point 
fairly uh, typecast in roles of sort of authority figures, and he had a, a bit of a run of playing soldiers. Yeah. So he plays a sergeant in this, and he doesn't take any crap from anyone. So was uh, getting back to the Monty Python. You know, every now and then Graham uh, Chapman would show up in a uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart outfit, and, he, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, stop this, stop this. Was he basically <laughs> doing Hartnell from that, from no, that time? No, no. Oh, I, think, okay. I think they were doing their own thing there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to Peter Butterworth, he was probably best known in the UK for being in, a, in quite a few of those movies. They had a, like an ensemble cast, so you'd have a lot of the same actors coming back. Uh, but with guest actors coming in. Okay. So he was probably best known for those. as He was known as a comedy actor. Oh, did, did um, he do anything else, or was he, like... I... Um, nothing that really springs to my mind, so okay. I may be doing a, a terrible disservice, but... Um, but I could definitely that's... see him in these carry-on things, right? Mm, okay. Mm, He's... Yeah. Did, were the uh, carry-on films made beef, beef, before the uh, right, uh, Doctor Who sort of similar stuff? sort of time, really. Similar oh, okay. sort of time, early early to mid-60s and onwards. It, they kind of became a parody of themselves by the end. Um, but, yeah, there's some, there's some great... It's quite an eccentric British sort of humour. Oh, God. Uh, not in the same way as Monty Python. It's not that out there. It's just... Right. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's some great... Oh. They, they tended to do spoofs. So they had one called Carry On Cleo, which was a spoof of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Okay, okay. So you have a, an actor called Kenneth Williams, who is a, a bit of a, uh, a legend in, in British comedy. Was he ever in uh, Doctor Who? No, sadly. <laughs> he, was, he was very camp, and uh, he plays Caesar, and uh, he comes onto the stage. He says, infamy, infamy, they've all got it infamy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's loads of great lines like that. So, yeah. Um, I respect that. I respect that stuff. Yeah, no, they're, they're great movies. So do you think – okay, I'm, I'm guessing – they brought back the monk because Dennis Spooner was writing this. Yeah, and that was his thing. Yeah, and he wrote the Time Meddler. I, I That's just, right. I just think it's really interesting that they thought to add him to the mix. And yeah, it's an unusual choice. It's 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 cool because I don't think they had ever brought back someone before. I mean, besides the Daleks, obviously. But mm. had they ever? I don't think they. I did. don't know. I think it's also a bit of a foreshadowing of the sort of thing you see the Master getting up to, as you know, he uh-huh. kind of team up with a, a bunch of aliens to try and you know achieve a uh, sort of conquest or something although in this one he's more kind of doing it under duress isn't he yeah yeah but I, it's it's funny because i think it also it's kind of a brilliant thing because if he was the first person that was ever brought back the the kids watching it at the time wouldn't have known that that is an option like you know like uh, mm-hmm. now we see somebody shady wearing a uh, little short beard. We're like, oh, it must be the master. But back, mm-hmm. but back then, because no one had ever been brought back, they would never yeah. have thought. So, yeah. so there's that part in uh, the episode where the doctor and they're in the Atardis and they're fleeing. He's got his little time tracker screen thingy, mm-hmm. and he's saying that there is a time machine following him, and he just assumes yeah. that it is the Daleks. But we know yeah. that the Daleks haven't called for their time machine to come in yet. So... I'm I'm wondering if kids would have been able to figure out who could that be following them. It, uh, I think uh, obviously because it's a time machine, uh-huh. you can you can kind of give a little bit of leeway of thinking, oh well, they haven't set off yet, but because it's a time machine, they can kind of set off whenever they like. There's no timey wimey uh, in 1960s Doctor <laughs> Who. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess they kind of sell yeah. it as oh well, 
it must be the Daleks. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, to have him turn up is quite a nice little twist. <laughs> oh, absolutely great. And um, I, I, I got to say, <clears throat> I think that the doctor using his ring to fix the TARDIS, yeah. where did that come from? That that mm. get-out-of-jail-free car if I ever saw one, man. <laughs> yeah, that— Convenient. <laughs> it's it's different. I'll give you that. Because yeah. Because okay, through the fan recordings and through the existing episodes, I've seen every episode of the uh, Hartnells. Mm-hmm. He's never mm-hmm. used the ring for anything, but be before that, and he's never used it for mm-hmm. anything since then. It, so it really seemed kind of convenient in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah. Where's the sonic screwdriver when you need it? <laughs> Oh geez, and okay. Then they eventually end up in uh, Egypt, mm-hmm. and uh, y- you know how earlier I was saying how they have a lot of great secondary characters in most of uh, the episodes. The Egyptians yeah. are kind of more cardboard. They are a cliche. bit one-dimensional, aren't they? Yeah. So, but um, there's still some good stuff. Oh, my my favorite part of episode mm-hmm. nine is the Doctor. Breaks into the monk's TARDIS. Yes. And <laughs> tell him what He's got previous for this, hasn't he? Because in the, in the time meddler, he changes the, the monk's TARDIS, so it's tiny on the inside, so he can't get back into yeah. it. Yeah, but this time, mm-hmm. because there are two time machines there and the Daleks are chasing him, he's going to try to throw off the Daleks, so he goes in and mm-hmm. he activates the monk's chameleon circuit. And so you get this montage of the monk's TARDIS changing into these different things, like it turned it what it didn't turn into like a tank and a, a plane. Yeah, <laughs> and it turns into a um, a horse drawn coach. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I watching that that scene, I was thinking, you know, the uh, doctor probably could have went in there, went and went to the button and made it turn into a police box instantly. But I'm thinking that because <laughs> his personal chameleon circuit didn't work, he was just having fun playing playing with yeah. it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Oh, it also makes me think of Attack of the, Cy- the Cybermen as well. The Colin Baker's Doctor yeah, yeah. decides to have a go at fixing the chameleon circuit. Uh, I think they did it better here, though, I, I gotta say. I think they did. Yeah, maybe, they maybe, did. maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, I don't understand how the Doctor overpowers the monk in the uh, crypt. The monk is twice well, his size. He's <laughs> mm, quite a, although he's a bit thin and wiry, he's, he's obviously got super strength. Okay, I can buy that, sure. He has a magic ring. Why can't he have super, super strength? Exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> but the the monk's character in this is, is so good. Like, I, I love when he's walking around the pyramids and he's supposed to find the uh, doctor and he's just doing a muffled, mm-hmm. doctor, doctor. You, you see, he's <laughs> yeah. not even here. It's just... So good. And, and okay, I, I did wonder as I was watching the recon, why is he still in monk clothing? Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's some kind of kink that he has, maybe. I don't know. Huh. Okay, I could see that. Some kind of fetish. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, Colin Baker can wear a dumbass patchwork oh, quilt coat, us. he can wear a monk habit. Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But I like the monk because although he's a, technically a bad guy, I think you do kind of feel for him a bit, and he is mm. he is quite a lovable character. He feels like a big kid, basically. You know, yeah. He's just yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's not even. And, and, and again, that's something else about this, the, which makes this story feel so epic. Is you don't have these cardboard cutout, cliched characters. You know, mm. the the monk. I mean, granted, this is a kid show, blah blah blah, whatever. But people are written with such 
shades of uh, gray and mm. like a, a, again, Sarah, the com- the companion, kills yeah. her brother before she joins them, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's. Like, I, I don't think that that would fly today. <laughs> There's a lot of sort of um, political intrigue and people double-crossing each other. Oh, my God. Oh, there's a great line um, late, later on when Chen tries to take over the uh, Galactic Council. And mm. all of the other delegates are going, but but we are all equals in, in this. And Chen's like, some of us are more equal than others. <laughs> mm. it, it... Someone's been reading Animal Farm. <laughs> Someone named Dennis Spooner. So yes. Oh gosh. But anyway, it it gets to the end. Um, I <laughs> breezing through my notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> episode. Ep- oh, okay. Uh, oh, I had one question about episode eleven. Mm-hmm. Usually, when a doctor is missing from an episode in these early ones, he had a vacation day or yeah. something. The doctor is in the beginning of episode 11 and then he just vanishes. Mm. So I'm thinking do you, do you think he maybe got sick during the during I don't the, know, the I know towards and... the end of his his run he wasn't very well. So mm. I'm not sure what the explanation is for that. Maybe he was just on holiday but um Yeah, you, but yeah. It, it it it's just weird cuz he's definitely there in the beginning then mm. he just vanishes. So I don't know if he you know broke a hip or what. <laughs> he just left. But <laughs> Oh my gosh! But anyway, okay. But they pull out all the stops in the final episode. It's just—it's the tension is incredible. Even if, even with no visuals, it's mm-hmm. just. Oh my god, the soundscape for this episode. Yeah, like the 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 noise that they have for the time dis. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. I want that as a ringtone. Isn't that great? And mm. and just the background of like the wind blowing and and all that mm-hmm. and. Um, there's just something about the way, like, uh, what's was his name? Kevin um, Stoney. Yeah. Okay. His acting when he's just raving, you know, mm-hmm. when when he goes, he just goes for and, it, doesn't and, he? and he confronts the uh, Daleks, and he's raving, and he's like, "I am, I am in control. You are not." And the Daleks are not saying anything. They're just standing there staring at him, and. I kind of like to hope that if this ever is uh, found, that mm. is what the Daleks are actually doing in uh, the actual yeah. visuals. They are just sitting there and staring at him because yeah. it's so creepy. They are just it basically is. letting Chin rant and rave, and it's it's just it, – they're so cool <laughs> about it, you know? <laughs> And uh, again, these are not the night. These are not the nineteen eighties robot Daleks that we're going to get later. These are no. And and then whenever the Doctor shows up, and he steals the time dis uh, destructor, yeah. you can tell that the Daleks are really freaked out. They are genuinely scared of what the Doctor mm. is going to uh, to uh, do. You know, like like the Doctor tells the Daleks to do something, and the Supreme Dalek is like, "Do as he says." <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can just hear it in the performances. Like, you can just hear them twitching and mm. wanting to shoot him so bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus, great. Even, even, there's a lot of good CGI work here. Um, Loose Cannon did a really good job on, on this one. And, oh, you got to talk about it. Sarah's death. What do you think of oh, that? Oh, God, that is just, oh, it's horrendous, isn't it? I can't imagine. I mean, you see a, a still shot. When she's, because she effectively ages to death, yeah, and it's it's really, 
They're pretty gruesome. You look at it, the still shot. I don't know how it would look on, you know, when you actually see the moving image, but it's pretty grim. This is a kid's show, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, like, uh, Loose, Loose Cannon did something where they had a sleeve of the jacket, and they made it look like Sarah's mm-hmm. uniform. And yeah. they, they kind of had white powder in the, sh- mm-hmm. in the shape of a uh, hand because she was disintegrating yeah. and turning into dust. Mm-hmm. So they specially filmed this little film clip where you see this powder in the shape of the uh, hand getting blown away by the uh, by the blowing wind. And it it is so effective. And It's that attention to detail, isn't it, oh, that makes them stand out from the other recons. So good. And, and again, th- this is why this episode is – this story is so epic because this this ending pays off so well there is no quick solution mm-hmm. problems are not solved with a simple throw a throw away line of dialogue mm-hmm. you know there there is a definite price there's a definite cost I'm- also i really like that steven really questions the doctor as to what he's doing oh you know? yeah like uh, at the very end, Stephen is just listing off the names of, of everyone who had de- mm. Stephen says Brett, Katerina, and Sarah. In Stephen's mind, Brett is a is a companion, is a friend mm-hmm. who is needlessly killed by Sarah. <laughs> and there there is nothing fun about the ending. There's nothing comfortable about the ending. And um, you you can actually, I this is one I want to see because I think William Hartnell's acting must have been really good. I mean, you can hear it in his dialogue, how weak he is, how um and and, and then Stephen comes out of the comes out of the comes out of the TARDIS and pulls him in to uh safety. And the doctor says, Thank you, my friend. He didn't yeah. call him Stephen. He no. he talked he I have never heard the Hartnell doctor sound more grateful. Mm-hmm. The, the way Hartnell delivered that line. He's quite humbled in the end, isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, good word. Yes, humbled. He he is so grateful and just uh, it, it's so genuine. You know, it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, Philip Morris, get on a boat, find this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have I rambled on too much about Dalek Master Plan? I could go on. I think it's worth. It deserves it. It's a great story. It's a great story. It's so good. So yeah, if you if anyone out there was gonna. Try a recon for the first time. I think that would definitely be my vote for the most mm. impressive one. You can also get there. There are three episodes that are existing: two, yeah. five, and two. And that helps a lot, particularly with the longer stories like that. You know, <clears throat> it can be yeah. as good as the recons are. It can be a little bit hard going. So to have a bit of respite and have some moving images, it's is nice. It's and and it's it, it's also good that. Um, the ones that do, that do that do exist are kind of spaced out evenly, so it, yeah. it really gives you a feel for just how different the story got as it uh, went on. And uh, talking of different, what on earth is going on when they're in that matter transport? <laughs> you mean when they're William Hartnell's the... face going all over the place? And <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's just bonkers. But you know. Uh, Stephen and Sarah, they're on a, a trampoline. To that's right. Yeah, and I'm just guessing that Hartnell was like, "I'm not getting on that." <laughs> they should have. Well, he rec- probably do himself an injury if he did. They should have recreated uh, that scene for the adventure in time and space, space and time. You know, like have <laughs> have David. What, what's his name? David Bradley. Um, yeah. You know, like have him going. I'm not getting on that trampoline. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I am a legitimate actor. I do not jump on the trampoline. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about uh, another one? Or uh... 
Yeah. Okay. What do you want? We got Myth Makers, Space Pirates, and mm-hmm. Power of Them There Daleks. Ooh, oh, it's so hard to choose. I mean, we can. We could totally do a part two, man. I mean, we could go on for Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I'd say about the Myth Makers, I think you tend to. The, the versions you managed to get hold of, somebody had spliced the audio from the the CD version onto the Loose Cannon production. Yeah. Um, and the version I watched of the Myth Makers was the kind of Loose Cannon original. Okay, okay, yeah. And one thing I would say is, obviously, because these things were originally audio recorded from the TV onto a cassette or onto reel-to-reel, then be then they've been transferred onto videotape, and I imagine there are several generations down the line. The the audio, because it hasn't had that attention that the BBC are able to give it, it's a bit wobbly, to the point where it almost sounds like a comedy. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it is a comedy. Right. It's got com- it's obviously a, a comedic story, but it's like the the music that's supposed to bring tension back in sounds almost like some kind of clown music. <laughs> It it doesn't it doesn't help. Well, yeah, the um, the version that I heard was um, uh, it 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 was one of those ones. Some people on uh, YouTube take the loose canon images and they'll marry them mm-hmm. to the official BBC audio narrated sound mm-hmm. uh, sound uh, tracks, and I I I like that version a lot because it really helps with the moments where there's not a, where there's not any kind of dialogue happening. You know, but but yeah, you're you're right. The the audio from the straight loose canon sometimes can be a little down because they're using the fan recordings that haven't been cleaned cleaned mm. up. So, I think the Myth Makers stands out because it's quite an early example of a uh, a comedy episode. I know we had the Romans as well, which was who wrote this a little bit was before this, that. Was this Donald Cotton who wrote this? Yes, I think and so. And he did the Romans rightly. too. No, he yeah. did the Gunfighters. No, yes, that's oh, okay, right. okay. I always get him and Dennis Spooner mixed Yeah, up. I do too. Why is that? Mm, I don't know. Maybe it's I like their the stuff a lot. Name beginning with D. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're both very funny guys. Um, but yeah, they they do something very clever. They take the um, original myths mm-hmm. from um, the whole, you've got the whole thing of the Siege of Troy. Right. But they play on it. So although they're still relatively <clears throat> um, accurate to the way that the myths wrote these characters, they kind of twist it slightly so that you get a slightly different version of what you were expecting. Oh, it's... I I think when I had first read about this story, like, okay, I, I did the thing that every Doctor Who fan does. I somehow got a hand... I, I got my hand on on an episode guide. And I would mm-hmm. look through it like, oh, Daleks Master Plan, that sounds great. I can't wait to see that. And then you find out that mm-hmm. it's that it's missing. So yeah. all I had at first was just little paragraph summaries of what each of what each of what each of what each story was and said the myth makers they go back to the battle of troy and all that and the way i first heard about this story i just assumed it was going to be something more like the highlanders you know like a dry historical yeah and i Mm. i i imagined that the characters were going to be played like kind of like the atlanteans are played in the uh, time monster Mm-hmm. You know, just very stiff dialogue and, and just believing that, oh, these are gods. We must worship them. And But this 
this is just great. The Myth Maker is amazing. <laughs> it's it's quite an interesting way of doing it because it's quite a knockabout story for the majority of it. And then right mm-hmm. at the end, it just kicks you in the teeth oh. with a really horrendous ending. I, I think... You know it's coming, but it's just I think pretty brutal. I think that that ending is so much more brutal because all of the characters in the first three episodes are not really shown to be thuggish and bloodthirsty. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're just a bunch of wacky people. But then they're yeah. suddenly murdered, and and you're like, oh, I really, I really, I really like Priam, and why did Paris have to die? That's amazing, and so and and let's give a big hand for implied rape on a kids show too. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> the grand old tradition of 1960s yeah. Doctor Who, but uh, Terry Nation did it first, I think. <laughs> you know. Um, it's a, it's an interesting title. Now, obviously, they didn't call it the Myth Makers. That's something that was given in retrospect. Yeah. But when you think about it, most titles for Doctor Who, the title either refers to the place where they're at or mm-hmm. the enemy who they're going to fight. Yeah. The Myth Makers is actually referring to the Doctor, Stephen, and Vicky. They are the mm-hmm. ones who are there, and it's through their actions that these myths get actually created you, you know um mm-hmm. in in fact in the very first episode whenever vicky finds out that they're in ancient greece or troy or wherever mm-hmm. she gets really excited she's like oh we can meet the you know heroes yeah and because she has obviously heard these myths and heard these great uh stories so she's really excited to see what these wonderful people are like these heroic deeds and all that and then she gets out of the TARDIS and she gets to meet these people and we get to meet these people and they're all kind of just regular guys who don't want to be there or they're a little bit wimpy a little bit uh, wussy and I'm thinking that at the very end Vicky stays and she tells Troy let's we can go and we can build a new Troy I think Vicky is the one who told the stories of of what happened at Troy but she didn't like the way it actually happened. She was more impressed with these big, <laughs> with these big heroic epics that she had always heard. Yeah. So, so she's the one who tells everyone that uh, 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 Achilles is this great warrior, and <laughs> that mm-hmm. Odysseus was this cunning sly dog, and really they're they're <laughs> just basically like drunk bikers, you know. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> the thing with sixties TV, well, certainly watching old Doctor Who, is it. it kind of translates more it, it's more akin to watching a theater play in many respects than watching something like modern tv yeah and i love that part of my the appeal of watching old doctor who is it's kind of like um a way of representing how tv was made back then and on a on a nerd level i find that quite interesting <laughs> oh gosh so what did you think of the uh now, now again, this this is a story like Dalek's Master Plan, where they did not have mm-hmm. any tele, any tele snaps. Yeah, I think the I think they did pretty well with what they yeah, had. The the only existing pictures I think are um, uh, Achilles and oh, what is Paris's brother fighting? Uh, was it Hector? Maybe and it, but they're but they're both wearing helmets, yeah. so you, so you can't mm-hmm. see their faces. And then there's a picture of Priam and Vicky looking at, yeah. e- at at each other and that's it mm-hmm. and so th- and there's that brief video clip isn't there of vicky leaving the tub yeah yeah 
And so they had to do the thing where they get the pictures of uh, the actors and they find Roman co- or Greek costumes. They put the heads on, on those. And it's really well done, I, I think. Um, it must have taken a lot of time and effort oh, yeah. to do that. <laughs> I mean, I would freak out if I had to. I mean, you can imagine the, the man hours that went into putting that together. Oh, gosh. But, you know, just getting back to the actual characters I, mm-hmm. I love how they're not what you would see in a cliched Hollywood movie about the Trojan War. You know? No, they play on that, don't yeah. they? They kind of they there, invert. There it. are no Brad Pitts, you know, it like the guy playing o- Odysseus, uh, who is that? Mm. Is that a famous actor? Or I'm trying to rack my brain now. Well, he may not be there, but basically he's like a screwed up Santa, you know? He's always <laughs> laughing. He's he's kind of a tubby. He's he's kind of body, you know, but he isn't like this big hardened warrior. He's kind of like a I don't know how you would de- de- describe him, but he's hilarious. Him and the uh, doctor together are mm. some of the best scenes, you know, because the uh, doctor is trying. Now Hartnell gets a lot of stick for, you know, perhaps not always being on the ball but i think he's really good in this. oh yeah especially in episode uh, three when when um odysseus is trying to make him he is telling him you think up a good way to win this mm. uh win this war for us and hartnell is just clutching at uh straws and you can hear him enjoying it in uh, his perf- yeah. perf- 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 performance and uh oh my gosh and uh but my favorite character in the whole thing has got to be paris Mm-hmm. How would you describe his his performance, his character? It's very – I say there, Father, how are you today? It, it's very upper-class <laughs> twit. Yeah, <kinda>. yeah. <laughs> I mean – I don't know if that's a sign of the times back in the 60s. Was it, was it, was it really? Okay. Because like, he is the guy who you would expect to be played by Brad Pitt in the uh, Hollywood thing. I think things had loosened up a bit by that point. I mean <laughs> certainly in the early 60s there was, there was still a lot of the sort of uh, – received pronunciation which was the you know very plummy everyone was very posh okay on the TV. okay you didn't, you didn't have regional accents and things like that whereas <laughs> i think as time goes on they, they gradually kind of loosen up on that i just i just love how he's not threatening he's not snobby he's not stuck up mm-hmm. he, he comes off as this little dumb guy but he says really smart things like yeah. um like uh okay vicky is trying to convince them that she is from the uh future Mm-hmm. Paris's sister is Cassandra, who's this yeah. who's this seer, uh, yeah. the high priestess, and mm-hmm. uh, she's like, "How dare you!" By the way, that is she's not overly impressed. Yeah, is she? that is Cassandra's catchphrase. She says it in at least three episodes. How <laughs> dare you! It's it's always dare, you know. <laughs> and, I have to say, I found her a bit annoying. Yeah, but the great thing about her is everyone's talk smack about her to her face it's amazing yeah. like like uh like like she's telling vicky how dare you profess to say the f- to say the uh, future and mm. paris tells her well come on cassandra you're always going on and on about it like it's someone <laughs> else <laughs> and, and and then he calls her to her face a fortune teller of notorious un unreliability uh, re- and that is such a good line. <laughs> and in your face, Cassandra. Even even her dad 
tells tells uh, yeah. Vicky to not worry about her, and he says she always says the gloomiest things. I expected some sort of an you know insurance and thinks in case things do go wrong, and then she can say that she was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. She, she must have really loved her family. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she gets to survive and go to the rape camp. Good for her. Kids <laughs> show in the sixties. Love it. <laughs> Oh. We are. How are we doing for time? We're already, we're nearly an hour and a half. Oh, we've got to talk about power of the okay. dark. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I have one more note about Mythmakers, which just, which, which just thrilled me. I was like, <laughs> they they do the bit where Priam doesn't like Vicky's name, so he gives mm-hmm. her a different name on the uh, on the uh, spot, and that. Precedent. Why doesn't that happen to more companions on the uh, show? You know, like, <laughs> what is your name, Adric? I don't like that name. We're gonna we're gonna call you Earl instead from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Okay, okay. Power of them, their darlings. <laughs> yes. How good now, is this? How freaking good is this? It's awesome. Even just audio on its own, it kicks butt. Oh my! It is. I think it's the Daleks at their best. Isn't it? I think for a, a first story for a, a Doctor, I think it is. I personally think it's head and shoulders above any of the others. I I cannot get over how good the characters of the Daleks are in in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we were saying how in the Daleks' master plan they come off as contrived or not not contrived. I'm sorry, they come off as scheming and cunning. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. there's so much character in the uh, Daleks. Yeah. In this. you never get mm-hmm. that ever, ever. I, no, it's a shame. This is the high point shame. for them. I mean. Mm. They just, and this is written by David Whittaker, I think, rather than Terry Nation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I don't know whether that has something to do with it. Maybe it, it might. Uh, what else did did he, did he do? Uh... Uh, he was um, script editor in the very early days. I'm okay. trying to remember the other stories that he did, but he was he'd written a few stories by this point. But okay, but but any, I, I'm guessing that that's why he was a safe pair of hands. I think that's why they chose him for this. Well, one. he was a great pair of hands for this because he gave more mm. character to the to the Daleks here. And then, I, I mean, I really love how the '60s Daleks. You get the feeling that there are actually little alien blobs in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not like monotone robots. There, yeah. There's so many good lines that the Daleks mm-hmm. say in this. It isn't just. Your typical 1980s exterminate, exterminate. What does uh, Davros want us to 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 do? Blah blah blah. They mm-hmm. don't need Davros. If 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 these Daleks were being written this way in uh, the 80s, they would not have to keep coming coming back for him. I mean, gosh, I, I don't even know where where to begin. <laughs> I mean, oh jeez, they have. So- I, th- I think um, it's quite an interesting show to look back on just because it's the first time they've changed the lead actor uh-huh. so you've got this whole thing i think it's it's quite a quick process really from him being a bit disoriented from the 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 transformation right, and then yeah. within not that long he's actually he is the doctor yeah in, in the the funniest thing i think about this is from yeah you can tell that this is the trout and doctor hmm. i don't get that impression in the highlanders or even in underwater in underwater menace, it's like the character devolves for some reason in the uh, Highlanders, and it's this kind of scaredy cat 
character who's lazy. Mm-hmm. It, it, basically, the way Troughton plays it in the uh, Highlanders is not a character I would easily recognize as the Doctor. Opposed to Power of the Daleks, which mm-hmm. is perfect. It, oh, my gosh. Which, I mean, it makes you wonder what was going through his mind when you, know, you, get, you land this job. And uh-huh. you think, what on earth am I going to do with it? You know, you can't, you can't try and ape what Hartnell did before. So he's got right. to come up with something original. And it's it's like if the Highlanders had came before Power of the of the Adaleks, I would think that mm-hmm. okay, obviously he's trying to find the character, he's trying to find his feet. Yeah, it, it's so weird because in Power he's got it perfectly, and, uh, and 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 again we don't have the first episode. If for, for forget Tenth Planet episode four, I just want the first ten <laughs> minutes of episode one. I'm greedy. I want the whole well, thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in, it's funny because you could tell that whoever was doing the eight millimeter film clip, they knew that this was a big deal. So there's there mm. are several little clips of him yeah. after he has changed and he's getting up and yeah. all that. And it's so teasing. It's such a tease, mm. Mark. Yeah, Man. I know. I know. I really like Ben and Polly as well. I think they're, um, again, rather underrated characters it, it's possibly because a lot of their stuff doesn't exist you know it's currently. it's really in- in- interesting because they don't choose or the production team they they didn't really choose to explain what was going on so mm-hmm. it's ben and polly who are having to work it out for themselves uh, you know and i i really yeah. like how ben is pretty much angry at the uh, doctor because he won't explain yeah. what has happened and uh, it's it. You can tell how frust how frustrated he is. Whereas Polly is mm-hmm. like, I've seen lots of crazy stuff now. I'm just gonna go with it. You know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> gosh, I I I. By the way, I really love that moment when um, Troughton is going through the uh, trunk and he gets that hand mirror and yeah. he looks in the mirror and for a second it you get Hartnell. you get Hartnell's face and then it comes yeah. back and. I was thinking, I kind of wish they would have kept doing that throughout mm-hmm. throughout the years. You know, like uh, Pertwee looks in a mirror and he sees Troughton for a, a second. Or mm-hmm. Davison looks in a mirror and he sees Tom Baker looking back. You know, <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, well, actually, you know what? Now now that I say that, <laughs> can, can you imagine in the 2005 episode, Rose, that, that scene where Eccleston is looking in the mirror? If it had shown McGann looking back, that would have ruined Stephen Moffat's whole John. The continuity would have gone completely out the window. Whole John Hurt thing would have been out the window. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's some lovely moments in this story. I like um, he finds the the um, what are they describing? Is it the inspector or something? The, the Earth Examiner. The Earth Examiner. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So he finds he finds the the body of this guy. He picks up the ID. Gets his nice big badge and sticks it on. And uh, like you say, it's very, it's very much that kind of second Doctor vibe. Yeah, he's yeah. quite happy. He strolls in like he owns the place, and um, he's happy to kind of go along with it. You you know, there's something going on in the back of his mind that he's working stuff out. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, I love Trout. Mm-hmm. I think he's mesmerizing oh, whenever no. you see him on the screen. You you, you know, um, <clears throat> I was going to say this earlier. Um, Loose Cannon. They do a, such a good job at showing you what's going on, mm-hmm. and um, I think that Troughton re- re- recons will always be a little bit inferior to Hartnell's because mm-hmm. so much of Troughton's character was through his performance, through his visual 
per 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 performance. And Hartnell was kind of he kind of had his set things, you know, and mm-hmm. so you can kind of even uh, ev- even when you can't see Hartnell, you kind of got a good idea of uh, how he's probably playing and how he's saying his uh, his uh, lines. Troughton constantly surprises you. And just like in when we got back Enemy of the World and Web of uh, Fear, yeah. the best parts of it was seeing how Troughton was saying these lines that we had been hearing over these years. Yeah. So I, I think that the recons for Troughton stories are always going to be a little bit less because we don't know mm. what kind of brilliant things he's actually doing there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think the – have you seen the – the recovered the most recent recovered episode of the underwater men i did actually yeah 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 that's got some great little moments there and again it was something where i had been hearing the soundtrack i'd seen the recon for it and it was like watching something completely different i i had no idea he was doing these little movements with his uh hands his facial expressions so good. He does that little thing where he uh, he knocks his head and makes that sort of hollow noise to try and make out that Zaroff is completely yeah. nuts. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Just little moments like that. Oh my gosh! And That's what it's all about. Like, like um, I'm sure that if we could see the scene, just in the beginning when he's fumbling through the uh, trunk. I'm sure there would have been just great little things like 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 there's that uh, super super eight clip where he's looking in the mirror and it cuts back to him and you see him kind of stretching his face. Kind of, yeah. I, I I just picture him acting like a toddler who's learning how to walk or or something. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Find this, Philip Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Give him a break. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Got but um, this this is this is one of those ones where um. You know, I I didn't something about the story. I didn't understand why they had to have rebels. What was Governor Hensel doing that was so bad that inspired a rebellion move, movement? You know, uh, yeah. I mean, it didn't it didn't look like people were living in huts. It didn't seem like there was strife and poverty. It didn't seem like Hensel was ordering guards to shoot people for no reason. What was what was the big deal? You know. <laughs> Well, certainly in the 60s and definitely in the 70s, there was a lot of strike action in the UK. So, um, Oh, okay. Maybe they were just reflecting the times. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. But, again, I don't think we've ever seen the Daleks better acted than, mm. in, than in this episode, you know? Well, so much so that they borrowed from it heavily for uh, Matt Smith's uh, first Dalek story. Oh, yeah. Have you finished your liquid? <laughs> Just, oh, oh, and that great line. Why do human beings kill human beings? You know, the the basically up fast forward to episode five or six, the mm-hmm. uh, security chief Bregan gets a Dalek to assassinate the governor. And the Dalek just flatly asks him, why do human beings kill human human beings? And. If this had been a Dalek from the 70s or the 80s, he would have been a mm. robot in monotone. But there's so much going on in there's real this Dalek's there, head. There? Yeah, it, there's so many good lines. Like, like uh, there's that scene later on where, um, you know, the uh, Daleks are laying cables to create a, a, a static uh, mm. circuit. And one of the scientists asks them, 
why do you need to make your own static uh, circuit? Uh, can't you just keep using the colony's power? And the, uh, and the uh, Dalek says, with uh, static po- power, the Daleks will be twice as useful. <laughs> you can just... You can just picture the little blob yeah. inside the casing laughing to himself and rubbing his claws <laughs> maniacally. <laughs> and of course, you got that famous line in this, I am your servant. Oh, God, it's so good. And then mm. uh, something else I appreciate about this, okay, is Lesterson's character. Mm. In, in the beginning, he's very sure of uh, himself. He's mad at the Earth Examiner slash Doctor who's who seems to have this prejudice against these machines that he has found. And mm-hmm. slowly as the Daleks start manipulating him and getting more materials from him, getting mm-hmm. more energy, he slowly starts to doubt what's going on. And that doubt turns into concern. And by the end, it turns into flat out panic. And then he mm-hmm. is just completely lost it by the end. And that, that's that scene before he gets uh, shot and the Daleks are like, you know, what are you doing here? And he's just completely out of it. And he's like, I am your servant. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he says that great line where he's like, you won't kill me. I gave you life. And the Daleks are just, yes, you gave us life. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> they have never been this scary, Mark. Wouldn't you say? No, they're, they're badass. They're manipulative. They're scheming. Oh, it's God. It's everything you could possibly want from a Dalek story. And um, I, I swear, uh, there's that famous interview with John Nathan Turner where he's berating fans, saying that mm. saying that fans look look to back at the '60s with uh, rose colored glasses. Yeah, suck it, suck it, JNT. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, and at the very end, when the Daleks are just massacring everybody i i kept mm-hmm. thinking about resurrection of the uh of the adalics and how yeah. all those deaths felt meaningless and kind of just people getting killed Gratuitous, for the yeah. sake of getting killed and mm. i was i was just thinking this is how you show an alien massacre it is so yeah. unsettling mm. like did you did you catch that there's a there's a Wait. there's a part where it sounds like a baby is actually crying did you did did you catch that <laughs> Uh, well, we have our own version of that here in, in our household. <laughs> I swear I wasn't talking about Tom, but it's in a, it's it's in episode six, and it's right before the. I must have gone right by me. It's no. right bef- before the uh, doctor switches on his device that's going to make all the Daleks ex- explode, and mm. you hear this baby this baby crying. Oh, man, a Dalek says exterminate, cool. and then they all start blowing up. I mm. don't know if that is in the actual show or if it's one of these things where. The guy who re- who recorded it back in the sixties, uh-huh. maybe he had a crying. Yeah, baby. maybe he had a crying baby in the back. But whatever it is, it 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 hits perfect, and it's so mm-hmm. bizarre and oh, it's creepy, man. <laughs> I think you're you're right in what you're saying. It matters more when you see this massacre because you've actually gotten to know these characters over those episodes, and you care what happens, and, and, and they're written well. It has more of an impact. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and. Uh... Oh my god! I I got so much to say, and I just don't know where to begin, man. It's it's so good. I uh, how about um like okay, like you've got that Janley character who is manipulating Lest Lesterson to yeah because she's trying to do the the rebellion and uh, use him, and 
Uh, Resno gets uh, killed, and so she's using that as leverage against uh, against Lesterson. And mm-hmm. then when the rebellion is is over, and she goes and tells her leader Bregan, the the rebellion is over. We've won. Hensel's reign of terror is over. Blah blah blah. Bregan tells her to go and kill all of her fellow conspirators, and you can mm. just you can just hear it in her lines how she's suddenly like, "Oh crap, what just happened? You know? <laughs> yeah, what have I let myself in for?" And, oh, Sayward could never write that kind of crap. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on Sayward. Oh man, we need to come back and do a Sayward episode, man. <laughs> yeah. Very briefly, we must touch on the space pirates because it's not. It's, it would be unfair of us to paint a picture of outstanding excellence all the way through. <laughs> so for you to appreciate the good, uh-huh. you must also witness the not so the not good. not so good. As good as Troughton was in his very first episode, he mm-hmm. really he really seems tired in, in this one. Yeah, I think that's why he quit. Um, which is funny because in his... Last episode, okay, this is his second to last episode. Mm-hmm. His last episode, The War Games, a 10-episode epic, an, another epic that pays off pretty pretty, pretty yeah. well. It's he awesome. doesn't seem tired there. You mm. know, he seems energized, and I have a theory. <laughs> I'm thinking that Troughton showed up for work, getting ready to do episode one of the uh, Space Pirates. He's all excited. It's his second to last uh, story. He's going to bring it just just like he always does. He gets the script for the uh, for the uh, Space Pirates and he sees that it's written by Robert Holmes. And he was probably mm-hmm. like, "Oh crap, it's that freaking Crotons guy. This is going to be terrible." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz Robert Holmes, he he just fell away from there, didn't he? He didn't write anything of any Absolutely. But Decent quality from there at on. the uh, time. The, the the only thing that Trout had to judge him yeah. on was the Croton. Yeah. So <laughs> Fair play. he was like, Fair play. "All right, I'll do this, I guess." Because, <laughs> because, like, um, like, like now, now, Ben, you you're a yes. a damn Yankee, damn, very much damned, yes, yes. Um, Milo Clancy, Milo Clancy, he <laughs> one of your countrymen, <laughs> you know. Him and the, that Captain Hopper from Tomb of the Cybermen. I've got little mm-hmm. eff- effigies. Why doesn't character options make a Milo Clancy and Captain Hopper for me to put on my shelf? It's only a matter of time. Oh, it's it's yeah, it must be. But you, you know, <laughs> there, there's a scene in the existing episode two. There's a line of dialogue that Milo Clancy says, which I think is a perfect example of my feelings about the uh, space pirates. It's when he's making his breakfast. Mm-hmm. And his toast starts burning. And he says the line, rubbishy, newfangled solar toaster. And it's like the most unlikely melding of British jargon and American jargon, mm-hmm. merging this slang together that nobody would ever actually say. So it's a perfect example of nice try, but it doesn't really work. <laughs> you know. Well, I think you'll find Ben actually that uh, have you seen the remade version of True Grit? No, I haven't. No, no. Oh my goodness! Well, um, the uh, the characterization of um, oh god, what's the guy's name? The main guy in it? The John Wayne guy? Yeah. Okay. But the the new version. Who's not John is, Wayne? Oh my goodness. He's the dude from the Big Lebowski. Oh, Jeff Bridges? Question Jeff mark? Bridges, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He based his entire performance on Milo Clancy. I'm sure. Of really? It. <laughs> yeah. If you, 
<laughs> you can't understand half of what he's saying. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but I, I think the point I was trying to make was uh, he says rubbishy because he's British. But he's saying yeah. this very cliched, old-timey, Western, new uh, tarnation, newfangled. <laughs> I expect him. Hey, look, I expect him to we, say, "Gosh darn, uh, galoot!" at at some point, and just <laughs> look. We we did it this once, just with a one-off character. It's not like we had a companion that was completely wrong and tried to make out they were American or anything. Far out, doc, doctor. Yeah, that was great, man. <laughs> it, I, I also think it's funny how he com- he complained rubbishy, newfangled solar toasters. He actually did mm-hmm. capture the essence of an, um, of an uh, American because right now in uh, America, there's this big debate about solar power. And by and large, your average uh, American doesn't really want solar power. So even back then, they knew how we actually think. They were ahead of yes. their time. <laughs> you, you know, it... His character gets really hard to listen to at the very end because mm-hmm. you've got Milo on the spaceship doing all of his – doing all his darnation, tarnation, cracker, cracker, biscuit, cracker, you know, going on. And then you got the old guy, the Don Isley, who's – who's basically going, uh, uh, you know, and so you've got, uh, uh, and, and cricket croaker tarnation, and it goes on like for 10 minutes. Ben, is there any redeeming features of the space park? Yes. Is there anything you can turn around and say, well, actually, this was pretty There good. was a great moment in episode two where Zoe is kind of leaning on the uh, banister, and she's mm-hmm. got her hinder kind of put in a certain way. And that mm-hmm. is the shot that Loose Cannon chose to cut out and sort of keep re- 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 repeating over and over <laughs> in the next episode. <laughs> yep. I don't know. What, yeah. what do you think of it? What do you think of it? I'll sit here and try wow. to think of something really good. You, you go on. Um, I, this was the first time I'd actually sat through the Space Pirates completely. I hadn't listened to the audio beforehand is it because it was kind of hard to get through did you give it a try well i'd heard all sorts of stories of it's it's painful Mm. and um it's it's you know it's hours of your life that you can't get back (laughs) and maybe i'm just a glutton for punishment i didn't find it horrendous Uh but yeah it's it's pretty slow well think of it this this way we were just talking about how all of the actors in Dalek Master, Master, Master Plan are just hitting it out of mm-hmm. the park. Um, mm-hmm. All the actors in the Myth Makers, so good. Power of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. I feel like the actors, the quality of the actors aren't that good in this. Like that General Hermat guy, he's terrible. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just the way he delivers his lines. We are going to be late again. And it, it, it's terrible. And the Ian character is He's. I guess he's supposed to be a macho, hard, tough guy, but he's just. Mm. Oh my god, it's bad. And uh, like, um, and 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 it's funny because there are actually some funny lines that the Doctor and Jamie have because you know it's mm. the Doctor and uh, Jamie, but yeah. even they feel a little bit forced. Like, um, like there's that scene where they fall down into the, the pit, and the Doctor's trying to open up the audio lock and. And, and Jamie is questioning if he landed on his head or or on his you know the the other end, and it it just feels a little bit like 
for one thing, this is the second to last episode. By this point, Jamie yeah. should have a lot more confidence in the uh, doctor, mm-hmm. but he's he's acting like the doctor is someone who constantly fails. And then there's that line where the where the doctor. Okay, he, I, I'm sorry. Here is the one good moment. Mm-hmm. They are in another locked room. This is a very Scooby Doo plot, by the way. They're just running around, getting locked up, escape, run around, es- escape. Yeah, they're in the conveniently Vic- Victorian uh, room that has never been opened <laughs> for 20 years, where they <laughs> hid the girl's dad. And the doctor is trying to get out, and Jamie is again expressing concern over his mental ability to get us out and the doctor says mm-hmm. Jamie sometimes I don't think you appreciate all that I do 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 for you and it's it's one of those moments where I think Troughton probably played it great and I want to see that but again it just feels slightly off and which is ponderous to me because war games is so good so. yeah I don't know if you've seen it there's a video on YouTube which somebody has posted um it's quite sad really yeah. it's um Somebody used their camcorder to record Patrick Troughton's final appearance at a convention in the States. Really? I know that he and he's died doing a, here. Yeah. Uh, mm, he's doing a, like a Q&A session. Yeah. And um, it's really nice to watch, but it's also very sad because you know that that night he passes away. Uh-huh. So it's quite emotional to watch. But they ask him, what's his favorite story? Guess what his favorite You're story kidding. is? I am not kidding. Really? Really? <laughs> Did he say why? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I I remember it vividly thinking, the space pirates? It must be really maybe in the green room where they had a lot of fun rehearsing. I have a feeling that he he probably would have liked the actor who played Milo Clancy. I'm sure they Mm. probably got on. You know, it's funny because it seems like the Doctor and Jamie aren't really in it much. So mm. maybe he has fond memories of it because he didn't have to do as much. <laughs> or, He's probably pretty exhausted by that point. Or maybe he was just thinking, like, I'm going to say the most unexpected thing that they would ever say. <laughs> we certainly did that. But, I okay, now that I've kind of seen it, now that you've kind of seen it, I mm. it makes me wonder why the Dominators get so much hate. Because I would watch the Dominators, I like the Dominators. any day, man. <laughs> I must be some sort of weirdo, but I like the Dominators. This is just so slow. And, you know, I, I just feel like everything is wasn't done with everyone's heart in it, even the costume people. Like mm-hmm. that military costume that the guys in the AV ship are wearing, like General Hermack, he, he has those two rank insignias on his uh, neck, and they're all mm. pointy – they're like pointy metal. Yeah, they're like fridge magnets. Yeah, and, but they're but the, they look very very sharp. Or like a car bag. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's preempting the Beastie Boys. <laughs> so I, I'm like, that spaceship is one photon torpedo blast oh, away from him getting those stuck in into his neck and killing him. And just, <laughs> but but okay, the worst thing is you've got the TV on the bridge. And it's very obvious it is a TV. They didn't even try to yeah. put like a fake uh, frame on it. And no, no, no. It's just a bog standard cathode ray tube TV. Which is really strange because this the set actually looks good from a different angle. There's there's an angle in mm. episode two where Milo is walking on to the bridge, and you see the bridge looking forward, and they got that huge big radar screen. It looks really really good, but. Mm-hmm. 
throughout episode two, they shoot it from the angle that's looking at it from the uh, side where you where yeah. you get that TV. And it's a mm. shame because Lou's Cannon would keep going back to episode two to get screen to get screen caps to show yeah. up throughout throughout the rest. So you you don't get that really great angle looking forward throughout mm. the rest. It just makes it feel. Nah, it's a shame. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to end this on a negative note. We do shouldn't. We? No. 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 So, how how would you uh, try to encourage someone to to try a recon if they haven't before? Honestly, I would encourage them to buy the BBC official narr- narrated audio and listen to that mm-hmm. first, because mm-hmm. if you are the type of person that really enjoys like a audio drama, a radio, yeah. a uh, a radio play. Get something like the Myth. Mm-hmm. Ma- no, actually, get Power of the of the of the Daleks or Daleks Master yeah. Plan. Listen mm-hmm. to that first, and if you find yourself being able to really get into the uh, story, then go to the Loose Cannon re- re- Recon because mm-hmm. to watch the recons, you've really got to be invested in it, or you're going to get very bored very very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So. That's or maybe advice. if you're if you collect the classic series DVDs, there are one or two recons on some of the the DVDs. So yeah, yeah. If you get the special edition of the Aztecs, there's a, a recon of Galaxy. That's 4. a really really good one. That's a mm-hmm. great one actually. Yeah. What did you think of the recon for uh, Web of Fear episode three? I thought it was solid. Um, I mean, I'm, unfortunately, we get spoiled by loose cannon by seeing the sort of CG mm-hmm. and. And that kind of things, but I think, I, if, unless I'm mistaken, it was Derek Handley, who was previously with Loose Cannon, Cannon that was did it? that recon. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Something I've noticed is um, with uh, because actually, actually the the BBC put out a MP3 disc of their attempt at a recon of Power of the uh, Dollar. That's right. And yeah, I, I it didn't really take off. It, did it, it didn't, and I think it's be it's because the BBC felt. Like they had to use only images from that story or only mm-hmm. the tele the uh, telesnaps, so it felt yeah. very much like a slideshow. There wasn't a lot of stuff. Like loose loose cannon kind of has the freedom to, to yeah, they can get creative. Absolutely, like like if uh, there is a scene in the uh, TARDIS and they don't have any telesnaps of uh, that scene, they're like, well, we can go to these existing episodes where they're in the TARDIS mm-hmm. and get caps from that, and they can do yeah. different angles, uh, like like. Loose loose cannon will do the very simple trick, trip uh, trick of taking a photo of someone's head, and then mm-hmm. flip it, and then flip it back. Do like slow pans over it just to give it a sense of uh, movement. And I felt like the official BB, BBC one, um, like they missed a trick, really. Didn't yeah, they? like in a web of uh, fear, they they I almost felt like they felt like they had to stay with what they had, and they couldn't really go outside yeah. of the box. So, mm-hmm. but. Uh, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. Oh my gosh! So there you have it. Reconstructions. Which one? They're out there. Which one do you want to watch next, Mark? Oh goodness! <laughs> um, I'm going to go pretty off piste. Actually, I'm going to suggest the Smugglers. I like that one. I I mm-hmm. like it a lot. Have you ever seen it? I've heard the audio, but I haven't okay. seen the recons. So it holds that, to, that could be next. It holds together really, really well. Uh, it's. Mm-hmm. It's it's better than the Highlanders, I, I would say, and mm. uh, it's uh, the story wise, script script wise, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. very good, lovely, excellent, <laughs> excellent. 
Now, Ben, yes. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Please do, yes. We do this to all our guests that come on the show. I'm going to ask you for some recommendations for our listeners. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be Doctor Who related. Really? But is there something that you have enjoyed recently uh, that you'd like to recommend? Oh, wow. Okay, yes, you are putting me on the spot. Um... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you... I'll tell the listeners what I've been enjoying. Please and do. While I'm okay. doing that, you can have a little thing. All right, thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, there's a bit of a background sound going on that you won't have heard before because between the last episode and this one, I've become a dad. Yay! So, All right. You. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you may hear the occasional little cry here or there. And I'm just um, guessing that you named him Patrick Troughton Cochran, right? Oh, actually, Patrick is his middle name. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Now, on the Blue Box podcast, J.R. Southall was very mean. He put me on the spot and said, well, what's your son called? So I said, Thomas Patrick. And he said, who are your two favourite doctors? And I said, well, Tom Baker and Patrick Troughton. Now, that (laughs) is pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. Subliminal. Subliminal coincidence. Yes. So in between nappy changes and and sort of general looking after the baby, I've managed to fit in um, season two of American Horror Story, which is American Horror Story Asylum. How do you like it? Uh, it's awesome. Really? Because Have you seen them? My uh, wife watched the first series, and uh-huh. she kind of fell off of it. She didn't really like it towards uh, the end. Okay. But uh, okay. the second one is, is good? It's Yeah, okay. they, they stick with a lot of the same cast, so it's like a rep repertoire sort of company that they have uh repertory company sorry okay Okay. and um but they they have a few sort of guest actors coming in um but they they have them playing different characters so it's not the same character that you would have seen in the previous series um and it's set in an asylum in the 60s and jessica lang is just awesome really okay she she deserves every plaudit and the rest of the cast are really good as well um but yeah it's um it's a bit freaky in places, so if you're really not into um, sort of horror and that kind of stuff, it may not be your thing, but there's a lot of humour in there. It's almost, I'd say it's almost like a, a soap, but a sort of heightened reality soap, like an ongoing drama. Hmm. It's it's really compelling viewing, and um, yeah, it's it's got some real cliffhangers, you know, going back to the whole Doctor Who thing, you, you've got the end of episode, you think, oh my God, where are they going to go from there? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that. And the, the the third season is currently showing uh, in the UK. I think we've got a couple of episodes left, which is called Coven. That's a, another different set of stories again, okay. um, which is really really exciting to watch. So I definitely recommend those. Okay, I've I've got mine, and I okay. don't know why this didn't uh, uh, occur to me, especially since we were talking about Milo Clancy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is a huge fan of Josh Whedon. Okay, yeah. For some reason, she had never seen the series Firefly. Okay. And I couldn't and I couldn't be- believe that. So, mm-hmm. we've been watching Firefly on uh, Netflix and mm-hmm. she is absolutely loving it and I keep telling her get ready to have your to have your heart broken cuz I was going to say is she asking <laughs> you what's going to happen in season 2? <laughs> well, I I told her straight off it's amazing and you have to watch it but it's going to make you mad. It's going to make you so mad. And mm-hmm. um, we actually did watch the last one of the of the actual series last uh, night. Mm-hmm. And she was really upset because – but we are going to watch the movie. 
later mm-hmm. on. Serenity. Uh, and I've I've already told her. I haven't I haven't told her why, but I've told her it's going to make you mad again for a different reason. <laughs> so, but um, I I you know it's it's funny. I was saying how Milo Clancy is supposed to be in um, is an old timer Western guy in uh, space. Mm-hmm. It didn't really quite work on Firefly. It works. Yeah, it's the American West in uh, space, and mm-hmm. if I could go a little bit beyond that, I actually think that the characters in Firefly are the best examples of what I would call everyday normal um, uh, people who who live here, like mm-hmm. outside of my front door. That is actually yeah. how people act, mm-hmm. and. It's funny that it is in a science fiction show set in the uh, in, in the future, but I have never seen that on American sitcoms. I mm-hmm. rarely see it on regular dramas. These are actually people that I recognize and I actually know. So that's Good why I like it a lot. Yeah, I was expecting you to come out with um, the ten million dollar Bigfoot bounty. <laughs> You know, my friend Dave, who's on the Tower of uh, Tetanababble, mm-hmm. we'll get together every week and we'll and we'll and we'll watch stuff to get ideas for the uh, for the podcast. He has mm-hmm. he has put his foot down. He refuses to watch. He's put his big foot down. It's, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm getting tired here. Wow, that's great. <laughs> no, he refuses to watch any anymore. He just threw up his hands. and was like, mm-hmm. I am done. No more. I'm sick of this big. Big Bigfoot crap and just uh, literally Now, here in the UK, crap. we don't have this show, or not that I'm aware of. Maybe it's on Sky or cable or something. Uh-huh. I've seen a few clips, and it's, wow, it's it's interesting TV. Uh, I guess, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sell the premise very quickly? Uh, basically, uh, right now in the um, uh, Americas, uh, the concept of Bigfoot is the big money-making thing on cable for some reason. Uh, back in the 90s, it was UFOs. They were all the craze. Back in the aughts, it was the ghost shows where cable would have these ghost hunting sh- these ghost hunting shows just everywhere. Today, it's the Bigfoot shows. And their great idea was they were going to get nine teams together. And in nine weeks, they were going to find Bigfoot. And whoever can find Bigfoot at the end of this nine weeks will win $10 million. And the teams that they have assembled are so desperate to find anything, to find any kind of evidence. They are literally bringing in, what can I say? What's a good word that I can say here? Um, fecal matter? They are literally bringing in fecal matter that they find in the in the <laughs> forest as as evidence, this is Bigfoot yep. fecal matter. Give me my money. And they're literally <laughs> bringing in fecal matter. <laughs> the show should be called Finding Fecal Matter because they're not finding Bigfoot. <laughs> and how many weeks is this scheduled to go on? Uh, about nine or ten. Mm. So because there's nine or, or ten teams and everyone gets uh-huh. like one team gets kicked off. Whoever whoever has the worst evidence gets kicked. So, gets so off. if you don't find Bigfoot, you get kicked off. Exactly. Or, or, or I evidence, can see you know? a problem here somewhere. And my favorite part of the uh, show is at their base camp. They have mm-hmm. a giant nine foot tall cage with a chain and this old timey pad uh, pad lock on it because that's mm-hmm. that is where they're going to put the beast at the very yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So, 
Oh, what 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 do you in Amer- in England think of us here in America when you see things like that? I I gotta know. Um. Well, I think we're all kind of grown up enough to know that <laughs> you're not all complete and utter loonies. Um, we have our fair share of those over here. We call them eccentrics. See, um, you have a nice word. You can call people eccentrics. Here we call them insane red rednecks that you know just covered in fecal matter. What can you do? I tell you. <laughs> ben, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Mark, thank you so much. I had a ball. If you ever want to, if you ever want to get together again and just talk about that, I could talk for hours, as you probably know. Thank you so <laughs> much. I would love to do that. We'll do that sometime. America loves nerdology. You heard it here first. Hooray! <laughs> Oh, poor little Tom getting on the podcast. I know, yeah, he's trying to make his debut. <laughs> he's probably saying, I might saying, have to do some... Uh, Space Pirates some... Isn't, isn't that bad. My voice will be heard. <laughs> no, I think it's the mention of the Space Pirates that just tipped him over the edge. <laughs> <laughs>